Psalms 24, verse 1. Psalms 24, verse 1. How many of you know there's answers in the house tonight? I am absolutely certain that as we go down this road, there are going to be answers to things that some of you are dealing with. Um, So let's talk about the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Notice what it says, the world and they that dwell therein. Uh, The Bible makes a distinction between the earth and the world because they are two different things. Uh, The earth is the planet. It is the resources. It is the physical things that are here uh, on this planet. And the world is the system uh, by which this planet operates under. Uh, if you look at 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Uh, in whom the God, notice that's a little g. That's not speaking of God the Father, that's speaking of Satan, who is in fact the God of this world. Now, Satan is not the God of this earth, he is the God of this world, which means that there is a system that operates in the world system or on the earth, but it is not the earth or it is not God's... uh, way of doing things it's the way the world has decided to do things because the world is in a fallen state Um, in the bible sometimes it talks about babylon and babylon is a system Uh, and the bible says that babylon will not reach its greatest achievement until its iniquity is fulfilled in other words as it continues to get worse and worse there's a system that operates in this world that is designed to uh, get worse and worse and become stronger and stronger until God is revealed. Amen? And so when we begin to understand that there is a earth and there is a world and they are not one and the same, then you begin to understand that God operates with his children on the earth. And how many of you know we have dominion on this earth? Uh, There is a world system. We are not of the world. We are merely in the world. And so when the Bible says that the earth groaneth for its redemption and it groans for the day that the children of God would literally reveal themselves and to manifest themselves as children of God, what the earth is waiting for is for believers to take their rightful position and handle things in this world and transact business so that we can affect what goes on here and not to merely Uh, acquiesce or submit to the world system but to understand that we are to dominate in the world system while the world things may be going south for us we have the ability to live unto victory while things may be going to hell very quickly in the world we have a right to live unto triumph see we have been given the victory that is why when he says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world system that 
That means the world system is subject unto the sound of my voice. The world system is subject unto me understanding that I am a child of the living God. And when I speak, I manifest the things that are coming from a whole different world. See, the, the realm in which people live, they get so secularized that they think the world is in control. The world is not in control. There are way higher things. There are way higher uh, powers and abilities that come from the throne that is not subject to the craziness that goes on down here unless you can convince a believer that they don't have it. And this is why so many things begin to come at us in ways that it really just uh, can knock the wind right out of your sails if you're not paying attention. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters for you. They hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, mammon is the Chaldean god of money. Uh, this is why when people say money is the root of all evil, they are misquoting the Bible because the Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is in fact the root of all evil. And you cannot serve God and the God of money. The reason being is because the God of money will cause you to do things that are contrary to what God tells you to do. Because the God of money works in the world system. God works sovereign over the world system. People say things like, well, if God's in control, he's sure making a mess of things. God is not in control of the things that are happening right now. We just saw the Bible says the God of this world. Little g. Satan's in control. God is sovereign over it, which means that no matter what is happening in the world, God is not subject to it. He's sovereign over it. And you can choose from what position you function from, whether you're going to be in the storm or whether you're going to fly above the storm. One of the unique qualities of eagles is that they have the ability to get out of the rain. In other words, when they see a storm coming, they have the ability to fly into the storm and use the power of the storm to catapult them so high that they can actually fly over the storm. See, the problem with chickens is when you are a chicken, whenever a storm comes, you have to deal with what comes your way. If lightning is coming, if a tornado is coming, you just going to have to figure out how to get through it. But when you understand why he likens you to eagles, then you begin to know that if there's a storm coming your direction, you have the ability to use the very storm that Satan thought would take you out. The very storm that Satan thought would kill you. The very storm that he thought you'd give up. You're able to use that to catapult you higher into a realm where you can live. See, birds, certain birds can't fly as high as an eagle because they can't breathe. The higher you go, the thinner the air gets. <laughs> and so when you can fly higher... You function off of less. <laughs> so let's, let's Matthew 6, 24. Can't serve God and mammon. Keep going. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not life more than meat and the body than raiment. 
Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither, gather, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? <clears throat> Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass in the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. How do you take a thought? See, a lot of things you may think are not things that should come out your mouth. Just because you think it don't mean you should say it. Because how do you take a thought? You start saying it. How do we know you're believing the press? You start speaking the press. And so he says, take no thought saying. And, and I want you to see he, he's beginning to build a case to help you to understand his heart and intention towards you. And he brings Solomon into this, which is really uh, bizarre until you understand why Solomon was brought into this discussion. Because this is in red letters. This is Jesus speaking. How many of you think Jesus could preach a pretty good Bible lesson? Yeah, yeah me too. So <clears throat> if he's beginning to liken your needs to certain things, he's trying to explain to you how his heart is towards you. Verse 32. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed more. Where are we at, y'all? Help me out. 31. Go back 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. You know, <clears throat> one of the challenges that I've had with Christian folks is, and I know I'm going to get myself in a little bit of trouble here, but I'm kind of used to that is the idea that they say we don't need what the world needs. In other words, we, we tell our kids, you don't need X amount of dollar sneakers because you're a believer. And you literally are teaching them that the world can have better than they can. So then as they grow up and turn from God, we're wondering what happened. But you inadvertently are teaching them that God is unable to provide and he's a bad father for his kids. So then he says, the world has need for these things. The Gentiles seek after it. And he says, and for your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. So then he's clearing it out to say, listen, it's not a problem for you to have a desire to want things. It's not even a problem for you to have a desire to want nice things. He's saying the problem isn't that you want them because the Gentiles want it too. Verse 33, he tells you, but here's the issue. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, and all the other things will be added unto you. Watch, go back to verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, now watch what he says, 
God takes the time to literally grow and decorate the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is burned. But you think that excess is waste. And God never calls excess waste. Why do I need more than one car? He took the time to dress grass to then put it in a fire the next day and burn it up. And you're struggling with how your God operates. You think he didn't know that they were going to burn it up? You think you're sitting there, do you realize how much time I spent making this grass grow for y'all tomorrow just to burn it up? See, Jesus is teaching a lesson that would barbecue just about every sacred cow that people have today. Because he's saying, does he not do that even though it's just going to be burned up? Yet he still takes the time to make that happen, even though today it is and tomorrow it's cast in a fire. How much more does he care for you if he's willing to put all of that effort into something that he knows the next day is going to be just burned up in fire. As if it means something to him. So then as he's building this, he's telling you, it's not about the money. It's not about the health. It's not about the supply. It's about the provider. He said, if you seek after me, I'll give it to you. You know what all these things added? <clears throat> you ever go to a store and buy something and they go, you know, like when you buy uh, cologne or perfume and they go, oh, if you buy this bottle, we add this and this and you get this and you get this. And they add all these things to it because it comes with it. So he says, if you would seek me first. If you would put me first, if you would stop putting your job before God, and, 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 and people think it's okay. They really do. Well, you know, Pastor, I got to work on Sunday. Quit. Well, you know, God understands my situation. He knows your situation. Do you understand your situation? Because because you won't seek him first, that's why you're living hand to mouth every situation. Because he said, if you would put me first. See, because not everybody's got the faith to do that. Not everybody's got the gumption to do that. Not everybody's got the resolve to do that. Because people say they'll die for their faith, but you won't go to church for it. And you ain't fooling not one person but yourself. That's why it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, that's what you'll reap. And if you're tired of reaping craziness, then quit sowing it. So then, if you have a reference Bible, when he says about Solomon, we'll take you to 1 Kings 3.9. So let's go there and see what that says. Actually, that's not it. That's where I want to go, but that's not it. We're going to go to 1 Kings 10.1 next. 
that's what it references. But I want to I show you this first. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Let's go back to verse uh, about 4 real quick. Let's go to 5. Uh, let's go to one. It's in there. First Kings three one. And Solomon made affinity of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, took Pharaoh's daughter, brought her in the city of David, and he made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord in the wall of Jerusalem round about. Verse two. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built in the name of the Lord unto those days. Verse three. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statue of David, his father, he only sacrificed burnt incense in high places. Verse 4. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, and there was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer up that altar. Verse 5. And Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what, you sh what I shall give thee. Verse 6. Solomon said, Thou hast showed me, or showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and upright of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, or in the stead of David, not necessarily choosing him over David, but he's in the stead of David, my father. But I'm a little child. And I know not how to go out or to come in. Thy servant in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, are great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for a multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, and who is able to judge this so great of people. In other words, Solomon is saying, you gave me a position, but I don't know how to do it. Which means you can be in a position. God can give you a responsibility and you still don't know how to do it. I want you to understand that because sometimes people pray for things. They ask for things. God, give me a business. God, give me this. God, put me here. And, and, and the truth of the matter is you can then get it and think God didn't give it to you because you don't know what to do with it. Because here he has a position, but he has no wisdom. And his first question is, God, give me the wisdom as to how to do what it is you're going to ask me to do. And so because we're, we're, I'm trying to get somewhere, let's move to 1 Kings 10, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard the famous Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And when she came to Jerusalem, with a very great train with camels and bear, that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she, she communed with him all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his tables, sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers, their apparel, his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. In other words, it took her breath away. So <clears throat> when he says, if God took care of Solomon, 
And remember, Solomon had a position, but he didn't have the knowledge of what to do with the position. So he asked God, tell me how to do this. And God said, because you asked for a hearing heart, he said, I'll give you the, the hands of your enemies or the heads of your enemies. He said, I'll give you what you didn't ask for, riches. And, he, and then he began to show him how to do it. It was literally the same night. So then the question becomes, when she's now sitting there looking at the meat of his table, just the food that was prepared, because some of you think that doesn't matter. Don't make me tell you the story about the lady with the butterball turkey. <laughs> I'll tell it to you anyway, because some of you don't know it. Lady calls, Butterball has a 1-800 number that operates 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, even on holidays, so that if you are cooking one of their turkeys, you can call this 1-800 number, and they will tell you how to cook a turkey. Well, they'll tell you the textbook way of how to cook a turkey, which makes it about as dry as it could be, but that's neither here nor there. So she calls, and she says, I had this turkey. It's been in my freezer for over 10 years. She goes, do you think it still tastes good? And he said, uh, he goes, I don't know. He goes, I, I don't think so. He goes, I'm sure the, the taste will be there, but the texture and the consistency will probably be off. She's all right, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I'll just give it to my church. <laughs> she sees the meat on his table. This is why, you know, when we were serving food prior to the cobra, <laughs> I wasn't that one where you cut donuts in half, right. cut the muffin in four pieces. That, boy, that stuff twerks my nerves, gets the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. If we're going to represent God, then we represent God. And if she watched the meat on his table, she watched how his servants sat, not how he sat. She watched how they sat. She watched how attentive those who served the ministers were and the clothes they wore. I wish y'all would get this. Not, not you know, uh, khaki shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and skinny jeans. I'm going to leave skinny jeans alone. Last time I talked about skinny jeans, some of y'all got mad. And I just, I ain't, I ain't going there with y'all today because I just, I ain't feeling it. So... <clears throat> And his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was, it took her breath away. How do you think he learned how all these things were supposed to be? God showed it to him. God trained him and taught him and said, this is what I want you to do. You have the position. Now I need you to ask me, because some of y'all are not catching this yet. You have the position. I put you there. You begged for that job that you act like you hate now. You prayed when you was in the interview that you would get it. And I gave it to you. 
Now that I've given it to you, it's become complacent to you, and you have not asked me for the wisdom of how do you go about setting the table, the sitting of the servants, the attendance of the ministers. How do you put all of this together to turn it into what it is I put you there to accomplish in the first place? So then you deign to serve in the church because you just show up. Because you know what? I says, this is not what I want to do. This is not what I'm called to do. This is just what pastor asked me to do. So I'm just going to show up and be here. And he just ought to be grateful that I showed up in the first place. Because there's other places that I could be. She said when she looked at the servants and, and, and their countenance and how happy they were and how joyously they served and how well they served and how the littlest of detail was taken care of, it, there was no more breath in her. If she was a pauper, you could understand having no breath in you. If you had nothing and I took you to a 20,000 square foot home and let you walk around and tell you, look how beautiful this is, it'll take your breath away. But if you are a multi-billionaire and you live in a 40,000 square foot home I take you to a 20,000 you know this is not ain't that cute you're being polite but to say it took her breath away and she's a queen herself and came with a train of gold and spices to come see him see what people don't understand because she says verse 6 and she said to the king, it was a true report that I had heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed it not until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told unto me. Thy wisdom and prosperity. Thy wisdom and prosperity. Thy wisdom and prosperity. God gave him the position of king. Yes? So if you have a kingdom, are you prosperous? So what did he lack? So what did he ask for? What did he get? She said the half wasn't even told to me. I don't know about you, but there's very few places. I'll tell you a story. True story. Um, their son, AJ, invited my wife and I to have dinner at the restaurant where he works. And since they ain't paying me, I'm not telling you where. <laughs> You'll have to ask them. They'll, they'll tell you. If they pay me, I'll put it out there like that. <laughs> I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. So, listen. So, so, he even went as far as to give us a, uh, the money to come to the restaurant. And this ain't no cheap, slouchy, this is high dollar. So we took him up on it. We went. Can I tell you something? It's the only restaurant I've ever been to, the only time I've ever been to dinner where I was impressed from the time I got there to the time I left. And I've been in restaurants all over this country from $1,000 meals to 25 bucks, and I'm telling you, it was without a doubt the best experience I had ever had in my life. To the point where I gave him a tip in the hundreds because it was that good. Took my breath away. Literally. 
Now listen to me. Here's, here's, my, here's where I'm going with this. You don't normally go somewhere and you only heard half of what you see. Usually you go somewhere and you're like, eh, this is all right. <laughs> you hear all this hype about a movie, you go see it, and you're like, eh. I remember when that Transformers came out with the dinosaur, everybody talking about how great it was. This movie was like 10 hours long, and by the time I was done, I slept four times, woke <laughs> up, and I said, they ought to pay me for sitting here. <laughs> That's normally your experience. She said the half of it wasn't even told to me. When she put her eyes on it, she's like, they told me. But it, it, I, I didn't believe it, so I had to come see it. This is what Jesus brought in when he says about Solomon. He's referring to this. And he's saying, all you have to do is seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because with the kingdom of God, comes the wisdom and I'm telling you so many people are trying to accomplish something with no wisdom you have aspirations to be a multi-gazillionaire yet you can't wake up before 12 o'clock You have aspirations. You quote scriptures about how God's going to prosper you and bless you. And you wouldn't take a job in a pie factory eating pies. But yet you, and then you wonder why prosperity eludes you. And you begin to then doubt the promise. And you make our father a bad daddy. When he's the same one that made grass grow just to burn it. Proverbs 3, 4. Proverbs 3, 4. <clears throat> Satan causes and works against us gaining wisdom. That's why he keeps people from church. He doesn't want you to be wise about the things concerning God. You can have knowledge of God. See, knowledge, uh, years ago when I was in high school, we had a recruiter. And he would literally, during breaks, when people, kids were moving from one place to the next, he would walk down the hallways and he'd be like, knowledge is power! And he's lying. <laughs> knowledge is not power. Wisdom, which is the application of knowledge, is now power. Amen. There are people who can quote the Bible and memorize Scripture to where they've got it down. But yet when you ask them to apply it, they have no knowledge of how to apply the word to their life. Wisdom. It's the application of what you know. A lot of people know things. They just don't know what to do with what they know. And more importantly, they're not seeking the kingdom, which is why God doesn't tell you what to do with what you know. Proverbs 3, 4. You ready? So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thy own wisdom or understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall do what? You know what acknowledge means? Acknowledge means to foreknowledge. That's what acknowledge means. It means to acknowledge. It means to say it beforehand. 
So if you acknowledge him beforehand, he'll direct you in all of your paths. Not you have chosen your own path. You know, you know that, 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 that guy that she was really interested in, that you chose. And then when he acts like a fool, then you want to bring him before the throne. And you didn't meet him before the throne. You met him before the bottle of whiskey. But now that he's acting crazy, you want God to put his... You didn't fore-acknowledge God before you got down that road. Now you want him to direct your path after you have already chosen a path. <laughs> Thank you for those one or two responses. <laughs> you have no idea that I love you more than you can imagine. He says, verse 7, don't have wisdom of your own eyes or be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil and it shall be health unto thy navel and marrow to your bones. He said, if you would get away from your own wisdom, quit being wise in your own eyes, in your own understanding. Because see, that's why the Bible says these things, these things are foolishness unto those that don't believe. Well, pastor, that's just not real world. Well, that's why you're living in a real world. What you call real world. How's that working for you? See, he says there's a way that'll bring health unto your body and marrow into your bones. He said, but it's not your way. It's his way. And to then begin to understand that if it's his way, then his way is always going to be easier because he gives us his wisdom to protect us. I've seen people that, that you know, God has blessed them with new cars. They're always beat up, junked up, tore up, repoed, lost, taken, houses, apartments, all kinds of stuff that God has blessed them with, and they never can hold on to anything and have no idea that it's because there's no wisdom. And what they believe is that God will make up the difference for what they did not apply wisdom to. When he says, if you seek me first, then all these other things I'll add. Look at Ecclesiastes 10.10. Put in the King James, then we're going to go to the NLT. <clears throat> if the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Now, I mean, you know, you can get that, right? Let's put it in the LT. Using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you. See, <clears throat> 
Abraham Lincoln was quoted saying this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Give me six hours to chop down a tree. He said, I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. You know what people don't understand why life is so hard? It's because they won't sharpen the axe. Brute force. I'm going, we're going to chop down this tree. Brute force. And they're wondering why it's so heavy. Why it's so hard. Why it just doesn't seem like this can't be God. And, and some of them are not even paying attention enough to know how hard it actually is. They're like a frog in the water uh, being boiled and don't know it until it's too late. Why does this seem so difficult? Uh, God promised me all of this. God said I would prosper. God said, but it's just not happening the way it's supposed to. And they have no idea that you have got to stop trying to get it by brute force. And begin to seek after the value of wisdom. Because wisdom may tell you, don't hit it with an axe in the first place. Drop a qu- drill a hole in it, put a quarter stick of dynamite in it, light it, and run like the Dickens. My point I'm getting at is, people have constantly blaming God. Why is this so hard? This just doesn't seem like... I know I, when I get around my church folks, I'm always, you know, praise the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then you go home and want. He shall supply all of my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And you go home and need. Never having put the story together. That you just out here with this blunt axe, wailing away on this tree, sweating, toiling. And then you get mad with people who have... And you're like, it just seems easy to them. It's not fair. It's not fair. Things just come to them. It's because he's the pastor. No. God don't love me more than he loves you. Well, that's just because they're just, they're just better. No. <laughs> they have learned while you're whacking away, <laughs> they're back there sharpening their axe. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? What's more important to you? you just getting it. They're back there just relaxing. Lord, I, I know you got an answer for me. You didn't bring me this far to leave me here. Lord, I know you got a way. Lord, I, I know we don't speak in terms. I'm going to need you to talk to me. I'm going to need you to tell me what you want me to do. I'm just a little kid. I don't know how to go in or go out. I need some wisdom. I, I, I'm a child in my understanding. But I know your word tells me that if I ask for wisdom, your word says you'll give it to me liberally. And so if you just tell me how to make this thing happen, if you would just show me how to put these pieces together, if you would just show me how to make this work, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. And everybody else is over there. This stupid tree. Oh. And then you just walk over the tree and and people are mad at you. Because, you know, if you ain't got haters, you're not that gifted. I know some of you, you, you always complain about your haters. You give them too much press. If you don't have haters, you're not gifted. You got to have haters. Trust me, people think all kinds of things. 
Oh, they must be selling drugs. They must be doing something. They got something going on. Listen, you can hate if you want. But I'd rather you smarten up, get on the same ride. Because if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. That's the beautiful part about God. There's no respecter of persons. If he does it for one, he'll do it for the other. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. The problem is you won't do what I do to get what I get. Because you see the glory, you have no idea what the story is. See, so now you wet the edge, he says, or you sharpen the edge. He says, now you can literally cut it down. Because wisdom, he said, that's the value. It's the sharpening. It makes you like a ginsu. People get next to you, just start bleeding. They're like, oh my God, what? Because you're that sharp. See, and sharp people aren't afraid to go to battle. <laughs> Seriously, sharp people are not afraid to go to battle. When, when you find people running from the battle, it's because they know. They know. they like, I'm fitting to get my tail whooped. My mama didn't raise no fools. I'm going the other way. But when you got somebody who's sharp, who you know has been trained with the wisdom of God, when you know that you are absolutely in his plan, when you know you are following him, now instead of running from the battle, you're like David. You're running to the battle. You are like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the army of the living God? Who in their right mind would stand against what God has called me to do? Who in the world is dumb enough to come against what God is doing? See, when you're sharp, you're not afraid. And I'm telling you, this is why people were operating in such fear. Because they're not sharp. They haven't literally wet the edge. Listen, if I, if I got the sharpest knife in the room, ain't nobody scared of y'all. <laughs> and that's what he's trying to get us to understand. He said, wisdom, that's the thing that will help you succeed. You can't spend it all. <sighs> sit down, y'all. Sit down, sit down. You ready? Verse 28. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 19. Notice what he says. He that tilleth the land shall have plenty of bread. But he that followeth vain persons shall have poverty enough. Follow what he's saying. And let me, let me, let me put it into uh, the Gene Herndon translation. It's not real, but it's out of the first book of Gene. <laughs> he that works hard shall have plenty of money. But he that follow after empty things, the money will go away and you'll have poverty enough. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say it one more time. He that works hard, because I, you know, I work, I work hard. I'm a hardworking man. I, I work for my money. I, I, I work for it. Great, but do you get to keep it? Because he says, 
He that tilleth the land shall have plenty of bread. But he that follows after empty things, what you'll really have is more poverty. You'll have poverty enough. You know what enough is? You, you, any of y'all got one of them grandmamas you go over to the house and all they want to do is feed you? And you're like, Grandma, enough. <laughs> Why? Because you're about to bust. You don't eat till you get full. You eat till you get tired. He said, you'll have poverty to where you're like, it's, it's enough. <laughs> but I work hard. I till the land. But I have poverty enough. I do all this from sunup to sundown, from can to can't. You know what can to can't is? I can when I first started a day until I just can't no more. Can to can't. But I, I don't have anything. Or I don't have anything close to what it should be for somebody that works. When, when, I, when I work with people who, who have businesses, and the first thing I ask them is, how much do you work? Because if you make $80,000 a year off your business, but you work 80 hours a week, then you really are making what a $40,000 a year person makes. But you have more stress. Richard Branson has said that he has over 200 lawsuits at any given moment in time from all the companies he runs. 200 lawsuits that he's named in, that he's defending himself against. What do you want to spend your life doing? Yeah, you work 80 hours a week, you make 80 grand, but you're no better off than somebody who makes 40 and works half that time. It's because you're not counting. You're, 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 you're tilling the land. But there's no wisdom in it. So then you do this for so many years and then you are sick, you are broken down, your body's given out on you, and then you die. And then your beautiful wife goes and marries some other dude who walks around your house in your slippers and enjoys the fruits of your labor. Which I can tell you right now, I ain't going for that. Not if I can help it. I'm trying to be here. You ain't going to walk around my house. <laughs> and you darn sure ain't going to do it in my slippers. <laughs> See, following empty things, you know what the difference is? It's understanding wisdom. It's I can till the ground, but Lord, after I've tilled the ground, I need wisdom. I need wisdom to operate. I need wisdom to function. I need wisdom to know what to do. How much do I save? How much do I give away? See, because the world will tell you, oh, you got a bunch of bread? Hold on to it. Because you're going to need it. And then what happens when it rots? Because you wouldn't give it away. <laughs> what happens when God says, you know what, here's what I want you to do. You got all this bread. I want you to go three doors down and give it to that person. And you have no idea the person you just gave it to needed it so bad. More than you did. And because you did that, that pulled something else towards you. That God was trying to bless you with. But because you wouldn't give your tithe, you wouldn't give your offering, 
Because you know you needed it. So you ate your seed. I remember uh, Christine told a story years ago. Never forgot it. Years, I mean, this had to be, dear God, I've known her for 2001, 2000, something like that. 2000, I think it was. So was that 21 years? I've known her. She told this story easily 10, 15 years ago. <clears throat> she said she was talking to somebody that had a bag with seeds in it on a table. And she asked if she could have some. And they said, oh, no, we don't need our seed. See, because the seed was the plant. See, we're so used to grabbing a bag full of peanuts or almonds or... But see, in this country where she was traveling, they, 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 they're like, we don't eat our seed. <laughs> we got to plant it. It's got to produce a harvest. See, and you wonder why, because you won't follow biblical principles. You keep eating your seed. And then you are crazy enough to walk outside and look for a harvest. When the harvest is in your belly. See, this is why you have to understand. God has a way to do things. And when you do it his way, seek ye first his wisdom of how he wants you to do it. Then you will find that he will work it out for you. Proverbs 21.20. God, time just flies, don't it? There's a treasure to be desired. And oil in the dwelling of the what? But a foolish man spends it up. I know a minister. Um, if I said his name, you would know him too. And that minister, I have on very good account that this particular minister, when COVID hit, there were churches that were starting to go under. And he personally wrote checks for over three, four million dollars to 30 different churches to keep them afloat. If I said his name, you'd know who he was. And he tells us publicly, but you're going to have to find out who it is on your own. But here's my point. People are like, well, you're, you know, you're socking away money. You know, that's not faith. What are you talking about? It took me faith to get that money in the bank. It took my faith to get that money into the bank so that when all hell has now broken loose, we're in a position not to be sitting there going, where do we get toilet paper from? When all of that went down, not a person in this church had to starve or look for toilet paper or for anything, not one, unless they chose to do so. Then we moved beyond that and we said, okay, we're, now the community needs it, so we'll give it away. People are pulling up in Mercedes, BMWs, Lexuses, coming to get, can we give you $20? Can we give you $100? No. Are you serious? No, we can't take it. There's treasure to be desired. And there's oil in the dwelling of the wise. You know what he's saying? We store it up and accumulate. It's one thing to drive a Mercedes and to not have a home. 
to drive a Mercedes and eat well and not have anything in your bank account. But he says there's treasure to be desired and there's oil in the dwelling. He said, but a foolish man spends it all. They have no sense of how to manage. So that when all, I, listen, I did not know COVID was coming. I had no idea. I would like to find the recording in which I said all hell was going to break loose. I really would like to find that. I don't know where it is because I talked about how things were going to get rough. But I had no idea what that meant. And here we're sitting on reserve while other churches are going under. Other churches are selling their buildings, liquidating their assets. Wise people who follow God's plan. He said, there'll be oil in the house of the wise. <laughs> Say this with me. There's oil in my house. Not somebody else's. There's oil in your house. See, because I'm one of the wise. There's oil in my house. See, I, I, don't, I don't need to do payday loans. Where I have to pay, you know, 400,000% every day, compounded. Because there's oil in my house. I don't have more month than money. Oil in my house. You ain't going to come see an 80-inch screen TV. They're called an idiot box for a reason. I just got my return. I'm going to go get me one of them 80-inch plasma XGY 7000. I don't even know what the terminology is nowadays. I'm just making this up. And you're going to spend that on something. And then you want to know why God. You want to have the conversation with God. Why aren't you? When he says you spend more time on the television do you, than you do in my house. Worshiping me. Listening to the word being delivered for you. You're foolish. You spent it up. <laughs> and then you wonder why it's not there. And then you want God to make up the difference of your foolishness. <laughs> Woo, Pastor, good preaching, I know. <clears throat> Isn't it something how Jesus, when he did the miracle, of, uh, was it five fishes and two loaves? Or was it two fish and five loaves? I don't know. You know what it is. When he did the miracle, five fish and two loaves, there was so much left over that he collected up the fragments. And it said there was 12 baskets. You don't think God, it's a miracle. Yes? Okay, because you know as well as I do that even just us, which is, well, this is not 5,000 people yet. But even just us, see, I have to make sure I say the right things. 
even if it's just us, would there be, what, 120, 130 people in here? We couldn't eat off of five fish and two loaves. Some of us be fighting. So he knew that, has, that had to be a miracle, right? Okay, but here's the question. Are you telling me God didn't know how many people were there? That he left 12 baskets of fragments left over? God can't count. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. But he didn't know how many people was in that meeting. See, what I want you to understand is some people don't know what to keep and what to throw away. Because see, now you, you go to the extreme where you are so penny pinching that you still got the same Bic pen from 1962. Ain't got not a lick of ink in it. <laughs> but you got it. Because now you know, went to the other side and you don't know what to throw away, what to keep. You don't, you don't realize that what you keep is God's excess. That's what I store up. <laughs> you, got, you got that one pair of shoes that talks. Them house slippers that be talking to folks while you walking. <laughs> when all you got to do is go on Amazon and buy you another pair and keep it moving. But you don't think the meat on the table matters. You don't think the little things matter. You want a better car, but you got french fries at the bottom of your car that have been there Your car ain't been professionally detailed ever. Well, that just costs too much. Well, then you're dealing with it in a bad way, and then you want something better. That's why God said, I'll increase you little by little so the beast don't take over. In other words, he said, I've got to increase you in a way that you can handle it. Because if you're walking around your apartment talking about how much work you've got to do to take care of it, what you going to do when it's a 5,000 square foot home? <clears throat> then you just, you know, you have to hire somebody to come help you. Hire somebody. Ain't nobody got money for that. No, that's why you don't have money for that. <laughs> I, I posted a picture of this truck years ago. It was a F650, uh, but it was custom built. And it was beautiful. It's on my timeline. If you go to my timeline and search Ford, it'll come up. You'll see it. Somebody goes, what about the gas on that thing? <laughs> if you got to ask, nobody talking to you. What, you know, what, what about the maintenance on that thing? I posted a picture of a house. Inevitably, there's always somebody. I wonder what the water bill is and the electric bill is for that house. <laughs> Trust me, honey boo boo. If we live there, <laughs> ain't nobody asking what the water bill is. 
I see some of y'all real quiet right now. <laughs> don't, don't, listen. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. It's, it's not going to help you. I'm trying to give you an understanding of these things because people don't get it. And then they wonder why they don't get it. See, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Right? It's the evidence of things not seen. So then if faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, then you have to then understand that there must be a measure. Substance is measurable. If I have anything that's a substance, gas is measurable. Right? When you pump it and fill up your car, truck, or whatever, jet, boat, whatever it is, it's measurable. I know how many gallons it is because I can measure it. So then if it's measurable, then, then look at Romans, uh, Romans 12, 3. Just give me two more minutes. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of what kind of faith? The God kind of faith. So when Hebrews 11.1 says, the faith substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, uh, then we know faith is measurable. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So then, let's go to Romans 15.13. Actually, no. 2 Corinthians 10.13, and then we'll go to that one. Romans uh, 12.3. But we will not boast of the things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. Imagine rule being ruler. So, in other words, the measure or the ruler that God used is the measure that we talk about. So let's put it in the NLT, because it'll make a little bit more sense there. We will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority. But we will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. In other words, he said, I'm not going to step outside of the lines God has drawn for me. Because he used a certain ruler when he gave me what he gave me. Oh, we ain't got there yet. Because then here's what happens. You want to do other things, your little pet stuff. And then you wonder why your service to God suffers. You take on a job that is so taxing to you that you no longer can show up for church anymore. You no longer can uh, serve anymore because my job is so important. You didn't know what to throw away. And you didn't know what to keep. Now you're attitudinal with everybody. <laughs> now you complain, oh, you don't understand. I'm so tired. It's because you spent your faith. You got people in your life that you refuse to get rid of. And you have to spend your faith on them. By the time you're done with them, they've taken everything out of you. 
And then you come and give not the best to God, but what's left to God. And you haven't learned. There are some people in your life, they are on assignment just to wear you out. That's why the Bible says to comfort the feeble-minded, not counsel them. Some of you are still trying to counsel feeble-minded people. And trust me, when you've got a feeble-minded person on your staff, they're just there to wear you out. They're constantly working. No matter how much you love them, there's a point where you've got to get to and say, I can't keep doing this with you. Because you're wearing me out. You're taking faith that I need. Faith is measurable. You're taking faith that I need to put something somewhere else for my family, for my future, for this business, for this church, for this whatever. I need this faith to keep us moving forward. And all you're doing is draining my faith. You are on assignment. And now I'm learning what to throw away. <laughs> and what to keep. Because that's why I said I won't boast on things outside of my measure because I only have a measure. I can only operate where God put me. So now you aspire to be some great actor one day. I'm just throwing stuff out there. So if you want to be an actor, do you. But I'm, I'm just trying to get you to see a point. But God called you to do something else. But you're so adamant about it that all your faith goes there. And then you bring what's left of it to God and wonder why it doesn't produce because you're not operating in wisdom. You only have a certain amount of faith. And you're spending it dreaming on nonsense that ain't no more the plan of God than the man on the moon and wonder why it's not coming to pass. Wondering why you are tired because you keep swinging a dull axe. Swinging it. At stuff that you, it's your desire, not God's. It's your plan, not God's. Why am I so tired? Why do things not work? Why does it seem like I have more month than money? That's amen and baby, in case you didn't know. Why would you continue to go down a road and bang your head against? See, I'm like this. I don't care if people that work with me make mistakes. You just can't keep making the same one. If we got holes in the wall where you have banged your head and them holes are going all the way down the wall, I'm cool with that. But after a month, two months, three months, and there's only one hole, and you keep banging your head in the same hole, you're feeble-minded. You're on assignment. And I got to know what to keep. Because I need my faith back. Right. I, I, I need <laughs> it's measurable. I can't spend it all chasing you around. I can't spend it all putting it on this when this is not what God called me to do. I can't spend it all on that when that was not what he told me to do. Because when I spend it, only a fool spends it all. Then I sit back and wonder, where is it? It's gone. It's tailpipe to the wind. It's out. I have to know what to throw away. And I got to know what to keep. People got hobbies. Video games. All kinds of stuff. They pour themselves into. I've had people tell me, I just don't have any extra time. Well, you know, go to your phone. <laughs> and hit, you know, where it shows you your screen time. 
You know when you played five hours of Candy Crush? Today? <laughs> and then you tell me you don't have no time. You're not operating in, window, in, in wisdom. Windows. <laughs> wisdom. You're not operating in wisdom. But you want God to make it up. You spent all your faith playing a video game. And then you get on your knees and beg God to make the difference. Wisdom is all about how. It's not about knowledge. The Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What is he telling you? Teach us to count your days. I'm an analog watch person. Some of you know I collect watches. I love watches. But one watch I don't own, and I know I'm going to make some folks mad, I don't own an Apple iPhone or Apple iPhone, iWatch, eWatch, Apple Watch. I don't even know what the doggone thing's called. You want to know why? This watch never interrupts me. It don't vibrate. It don't shake. It don't beep. It don't do. I look at it when I want to. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all missed that. It don't control me. I control it. See, some of you don't understand that you don't count your time. And the Bible tells you to. To be mindful. I'm not dressed if I don't have a watch on. Time is the one thing that we all have the same amount of. Teach us to number our days when we apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to count the minutes and the hours and the days that we have so that we can be wise about how we use it. Teach us to understand how we can't, I can't spend my time counseling you over and over and over again about the same thing. I done told you the man is garbage. Throw him in the trash. You think you're going to come to my office every single week and talk about the same bum? We, know, we ain't got time for that. You got three times, and that's it. We are done. We are never talking about him again. If you want to be with him, go wax and be great, but stay off my couch. Teach us to number our days. We may apply our hearts to wisdom. Sis, you're not going to call me and talk to me for two hours about how much of a bum your husband is. You married him. You wanted him so bad, you stole him from his first wife. That should have been your first clue. But now, sis, you, girl, you think you're going to sit on the phone with me and talk to me about him, and I ain't fitting to do it. So I tell you what you're going to do, honey boo-boo. Stop calling me because I don't have time for that. I got to know what to keep. Well, what if they get mad at me? What if it's family? I mean, family's got to be there for each other. I am all up in your business. Because I'm trying to help you to see. Your family could be just as toxic. Well, blood's thicker than water. Yeah, but it's harder to swallow.
They said, Jesus, your mother's looking for you. Jesus turned around and said, oh, mama's looking for me? Oh, let me go see what she wants. No, Jesus said, who's my mother? If that had been your kid, you'd be like, hold up. Who's your mother? Okay, okay. We're going (laughs) to... When you become kingdom-minded, you become purpose-driven, you got to know what to keep. Because some things are on your plate that shouldn't even be there. You carrying faith for your girlfriend's problems. Some of you fellas, you carrying faith for your homeboy situation. He the one got kicked out and you worried about it. He ain't worried about it. He couch surfing. You more worried about it than him. And you call it, I'm being a good Christian. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We're so grateful for the words you give us. We're so grateful for the things you reveal unto us. We're so grateful that these are things we can apply into our lives immediately. These are the things that we can go and do business with. We can transact business. And you tell us that when we transact business your way, we redeem the time. So there might have been things that have wasted our time. There might have been people that have wasted our time. There might have been family that has pulled on us in such a way that has wasted our time. But you tell us that if we apply your wisdom, We can redeem all of that. We can redeem the time. We can get back into acceleration and accumulation. We might have spent it in places we shouldn't have spent it. But we know now what to throw away. (laughs) And we know what to keep. We know how to make sure the things we're putting our time into, our efforts into, that it's produced. If it ain't producing, just like the tree, when you said to prune it, if it don't produce. Some things got to go. They're just a waste of time. Some things got to go. They're just a distraction. Some people got to go. It's just a distraction. I don't know who this, I, I, I don't know who this is for. It might not be for anybody. I could be missing it. It might have been too much pizza or Pepsi or maybe it's somebody who's watching online. But you keep putting money into a card you just need to get rid of. It's always one more thing. It's always one more thing. It's always one more thing. And it's small enough to bleed you slowly. And Lord's like, you just would be better off going and getting a new car with a decent payment and stop putting good money after bad. So I don't know who that's for, but there it is. But that's one of those things that you got to know what to keep and you got to know what to throw away because it's pulling too much. It's taking too much to keep it going. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Sure do love.